Punk Rock HR is sponsored by BetterWorks. The world's most dynamic organizations rely on BetterWorks to accelerate growth by supporting transparent goal setting, enabling continuous performance, and learning from employee insights. BetterWorks is on a mission to help HR leaders make work better. Discover how they can help you by visiting betterworks.com today. Hey, everybody. I'm Lori Rudiman. Welcome back to Punk Rock HR. My guest today is Carlos Escobar. He's a seasoned human resources leader based in San Antonio, and he's worked for some leading brands out there, really helping organizations think through people management strategies, talent development, change management, and design thinking. So Carlos is my friend who is focused on innovation, and he also believes that there's a force for good in the world as it connects to the world of work. So I love him for that, but most of all, I just like him for being my friend. And on today's conversation, you're gonna hear us be friends, talk about real world things, and nerd out a little bit on the workforce and HR. So if you know Carlos, you know he's a fun, really great guy. And if you don't know him, I invite you to sit back and get to know someone who really likes to think about the world of HR and the world of work in a critical and different way. So if you like all that, sit back and enjoy this episode of Punk Rock HR. Hey, Carlos, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Lori. How are you doing? Oh, my goodness. It's real good to see you. Um, you know, before we get started, just talking about all the problems in the world that we're going to solve today, why don't you tell everybody who you are and what you're all about? Yeah, sure. I live in the San Antonio area, South Texas. I've been here my whole life. I've been in HR most of my career. So for a brief portion, I worked at a theme park, so an amusement park. And then I've transitioned slowly over to talent development over the last few years. And I've kind of focused in on change management and some design thinking workshops and some of the processes that happen behind the scenes on those things. So I was looking at my old bio. I think I'm up to like 20 years now. Oh my goodness. In this space, in the industry, as they say. Being amazing and talented and doing all of that. Which is cool, but also a little bit sobering. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to tell everybody you're 28 years old. You know, you're just a newbie in all of this. But I'm really curious about the theme park. Did you have a favorite ride? So I worked at Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. And at the time, I think the one of the big rides was Superman because it's a smooth ride, super fast, lots of loops and upside downs. There were some other rides there that were a little rougher and hurt <laughs> my back. <laughs> oh, it's a young person's game working in a theme park. For, so for once sure, you start getting a little older. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> the last time I was on a roller coaster was in Las Vegas the weekend of my wedding. And it was so rocky and so terrible. And Ken and I emerged off that roller coaster and almost threw up. And we figured marriage was enough of a roller coaster we have not been on one since and so that's 21 years ago i mean you're right about theme parks being a young individual's game oh my god it's disgusting i haven't been on a roller coaster since i left so, <laughs> so that was ages ago Carlos, I've just really enjoyed getting to know you over social media and spending time. So I'm glad you're here today. You said two key terms that I don't know that everybody understands, change management and design thinking. So can you tell me what those two are? I would just sum up change management by saying, if you have a project or you have a job to be done, if you want to get there, 
faster, you need to manage that change, right? And I think we need to expand the, the definition of change too, just because we can't just think about it as projects because that's way too easy to say, you know, we're going to implement this new system or whatever. That's like obvious. But a lot of times when we train people, we're asking them to change their behavior. You know, we're asking them to change the way they do things, the way they look at the world even. And change management is just really getting on the people side of things and saying, hey, what will it take to get Lori on board with this? And one of my little turns of phrases I like to use is it's like not just to survive change, but to thrive with the change, right? To help people embrace it because they have to, but because you know they say, hey, this is gonna help me. This is gonna be something that'll help all of us be better at our jobs. Okay, so that's change management. Yeah, with design thinking, I'd kind of say that's another way of helping people through change in a broad way. So design thinking is summary real quick, is like just bringing as many ideas to the table as possible and working through a framework to help groups make decisions. Now it could be on anything from developing a product, right? So literally a physical product that's gonna to go to market, a system, a software, anything like that. We could also be strategic planning, creating values, developing new approaches to work. But the goal of those things is to not do the standard brainstorm where the loudest voices take over or the most powerful voices take over and win no matter what. We try to raise all voices and give them the opportunity to be heard and then make decisions in a rapid way while still being fair. That's how we use design thinking um, and my approach to it. Before we talk about your job and what you do for a living and how change management and design thinking come together, you got somebody in the room with you that people may hear in the background. So who's in the room? Wally the dog, who is all of six months old and 100% chaos. I adopted him at the very end of 2022, like literally the 29th of December. And he's amazing. He's great. He's amazing, um, but he was he's also- a survivor. Yeah, yeah, he's also expensive, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Right after I got him, he got parvo and was really sick for a while. And so I always say he's my little 401k. So. <laughs> there you go. Well, if we hear him yeah. in the background, we're going to be totally fine with that. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your job and what you do and how all of this comes together? The foundation of my work right now is around the processes that support uh, performance appraisals or performance reviews. So that would be the competencies, um, the systems and things like that. But what we say is like our side gig or um, the work that we do in addition to that is supporting teams through through workshops. And so those happen to be in the design thinking and change management space. So they might be as simple as, you know, helping somebody plan a two to three year strategy. But sometimes it's a little bigger than that. You know, sometimes they can be multi-day workshops. I've done change management workshops, things like that. So that's that's where we really love to spend time with teams, you know, things like that. So Carlos, this is some super nerdy shit. Why do you do what you do? I'm fascinated by ideas. First off, I think I've always been drawn to them. And then second, I just love being in the room when those light bulbs go off, you know, when people reach their own conclusions, because if you're leading a workshop like this or any workshop, for that example, you cannot be the center of attention. You can't be the person with the answers. You have to guide people to get those answers on their own. And so it's really about asking the right questions, setting people up for success, reading the room a lot, and then people will find their way. And it's sort of like, like I'm trusting you today in this podcast, right? I have to ask people to trust me and say, hey, I'm going to guide you for this. I have you in this room for the next six hours. It's going to be different. You're going to not feel normal because this is not our normal way of working, but I'm going to get you there, you know, and I'm going to make adjustments if we have to. I think there's probably a real fear of failure in a lot of corporations right now, even though we've talked about, you know, creating psychologically safe environments, but to come into a room, into a workshop and to be vulnerable to say ideas that may not resonate with a group or are just terrible ideas, right? It's hard under normal circumstances, but with COVID, with remote work, with coming back to the office and returning to the office, and then also with layoffs hanging over everybody in the world. If it's not us, it may be our friends or our loved ones. It's got to be difficult to get people to just calm down right, and trust that they're in good, capable hands. So can you talk to me about that? 
Yeah, sure. I probably spend, all of us, we spend probably the first like quarter of the day, uh, no matter what it is, just sort of laying down the foundation of what to expect and some of the frameworks of how we'll be making decisions. And then we talk a lot about what we've done in the past, you know, kind of like to say like, you're in good hands, you know, we've pretty much seen it all. And then there's also this element of, you know, we'll get as far as we get. We only have so much time just because we don't finish it all doesn't mean it's a failure. It's just, you know, we advance as much as we can, but we have to come back, we do it again. It's really just like level setting and just sort of saying, you know, this is one of the few environments where it's not a zero-sum game. We end where we end. Whatever conclusions we draw are exactly what we're supposed to do for the day. No quirky icebreakers to make people feel at home. No like little games to, you know. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> like yeah. what? Like give me an example. I always ask, you know, like what was your first job? The best thing to happen to you in, in the last year? Or the, I always say the coolest thing because the best and the coolest tend to be different. I, I want to hear what people think is cool. You know, things like that. Sometimes I, I kind of ask like what's coming up? Like what's on your radar? So like, you know, personally and professionally. So professionally is easy, but then personally people are like, oh, you know, I guess I need to talk about that vacation I'm planning, you know, it really gets people to open up. Yeah, I love that. I love that. It's not quirky or goofy at all. I mean, these things serve a purpose. I just wonder, you know, when I started out in human resources, I didn't know your type of job existed because it almost seems like a luxury for many organizations. You know, in my mind, HR was benefits, recruiting, and maybe terminating someone, right? You know, like the softer stuff, maybe some training, maybe payroll. Once we outsourced that, we didn't talk about that. But this idea of change management and design thinking, it's still at the vanguard of many organizations. Or do you think it's becoming normalized in HR? I don't know about HR. I've read some articles that say that it's becoming normalized in organizations. It's it's almost they're even saying to the point to where maybe it's had its day. But in a lot of organizations, they actually have innovation teams that do this. You know, this is like their primary job. And some, some organizations have change management offices too, just like they have project management offices. My work over the last five, five to 10 years has been evolving and I, I'm a big believer in job crafting. So I think you keep developing your skills and you keep trying to find ways to use those skills in whatever job you're in. And so I've been lucky enough to be in roles where I get to kind of like test those spaces and kind of say, you know, all right, I'm going to go get a change management certification. And then when I come back from that, I'm going to get a chance to do a couple of these workshops, even though it's really not my job. And then over the years, it sort of becomes your job. It becomes the thing that people come and look for you to do. And the same thing with innovation. We all have that same opportunity. You just kind of like stick with it. Test your patience, of course, because you want to jump in and do it all. But I always say we have our day jobs, right? And then we got we have our strengths and we have what we're interested in. And we just got to chase those things down. Well, it reminds me of something you've said over the years that you do kind of like a couple year life plan and you see how things go. You kind of have some ideas of where things are going to go and then you intentionally revisit it. Well, why don't you tell me about this process and what that's done for you in your career? Yeah. And actually, it's funny. I was thinking about that today because I think the last few years, you know, in the COVID era, I've sort of let go of that. I've sort of just kind of like, what's right in front of me? Plan on that. You know, figure that out. Stay one step ahead of things. Oh, what? Being human and just surviving like yeah. everybody else? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. What I was thinking about today was how I have been slow to re-engage with that process. Like I'm still kind of just doing like the, the month to month, week to week. And I was thinking today about how like, you know, I probably need to get back to that, you know, like where are things going to be in five years, two years? years, you know, the kinds of things that we do in our workshops, right? <laughs> I need to do those for myself. <laughs> right. The cobbler's children have no shoes type thing. So in the before times, I would just kind of take like two years and just be like, okay, two years, you know, commit to this set of work, to this set of goals. And then 
it doesn't mean at the end of two years and you just like burn it all down and move on. It's just kind of a reassessment to just be like, okay, are we still on track? Do things still feel right? And whether that be work, volunteering. So I've done a lot of volunteer work with Sherm in the past. Anything, you know, where I'm living, you know, all those things. Every once in a while, you got to like install these little checkpoints to just make sure, you know, do a temperature check. This is still right for me. Yeah, but that's brave because I think a lot of people are like you in the current times and me in the current times. We're just trying to make it through the day. And if we assess where we've been and where we want to be in the next two years, I think we're faced with a lot of uncertainty and it feels like we can't control things. But I would argue, and maybe you have a point of view on this, that we can control more than we think. We can design our environment to really determine some outcomes. But I don't know. What's your take on that? We can. We just have to choose to. I think we have to make a conscious effort at it. Otherwise, it'll be just like me this year. And you look up one day and it's April 20 something or it's spring going into summer summer going into fall and i don't know where the time has gone to me that is like a red flag you know it's sort of like okay i'm not being intentional i'm not being planful about things because in january lost a couple of weeks for covid and then poof half the year's gone just being busy just being busy and not having anything not to show for it but just sort of not being intentional about the time so you're doing some of this work right now. I'm fascinated about that. So if you're vulnerable enough to share, what have you observed about where you've been in the past two years and where you think you want to go? And I'm actually driving towards a broader question because I think human resources, change management, all of that is going to be innovation. It's going to be disrupted by AI, like in a real way, like everything I'm doing right now, writing, speaking, going to conferences, I can see the footprint of AI very clearly. So I wonder if that's something you're thinking about personally, professionally like what are your next two years going to look like? This sounds very familiar, but this like AI um, disruption or pending disruption. I remember in the heyday of HR social media. So there was a point when when we were all talking about how, and I, it was right there at the forefront of this saying, you know, like, hey, if you're in HR and you're not on Twitter and you're not on LinkedIn and connecting with as many HR people as possible, you're going to fall behind. And for a while, that was the case. I mean, that's how we met. And now fast forward 10 years, whatever it was, 15 years now, it's a different space, right? There's sort of a luxury to not be in there. I still think, though, that like we have a connection and I have a connection with a lot of different people because of that. And I wonder if the same will be true for AI in the sense that there's going to be a disruption. A lot of people are going to get ahead in that disruption. So the early adopters are going to get in there and we, we all will benefit from doing that. There's going to be a peak and then it'll settle back down into like a normal where maybe we're kind of at some point, they say in 15 years, we're doing another podcast here or we're being interviewed by AI ourselves instead of human beings. No, no, we're on CNN. That's how famous we are yeah, in 15 yeah. years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, who knows? I think of everything in cycles, you know, like there's going to be the hype cycle, right? But I, I do think there will be some winners and losers in that process. I've been playing with it, trying to understand it. I am by no means an expert, but that's definitely on my list of things to consider. Well, I think about, you know, all the things we've been through in the past three years. And one of the really interesting commitments, I mean, you've always made this commitment, is your drive for well-being. And I think more than ever, I'm seeing that in you. But you've always been someone who wants to be outside, who vacations with REI, you know, like you're you're an outdoors hiker guy, but you're a runner. How do you think well-being fits into your next two years? I have been lucky to not have a whole lot of health issues so far in my life. 
getting COVID at the beginning of this year. And again, I, I was lucky to get it after vaccinations were available and after treatments and, and you know, but it was still eye-opening to just sort of, I guess there was almost a sense of complacency that kind of took over for a while there. Kind of like, hey, I've made it almost three years, you know, and I haven't gotten it. And it sounds like when everybody else gets it, like they're just fine. But COVID kicked my butt for three weeks and I did not have it nearly as bad as others. I'm completely aware of that fact, but I don't want to do that again. And there was just like this wake up call of like, hey, you know, it's not just that. It's not just COVID. You can only control for so many things in your life, but I got to lay off the burgers yeah. and the tacos. <laughs> and and yeah. I got to, you know, I got to, as much as I run and walk, I probably need to be more committed to those things and mental health as well. You know, it's just like the big picture, all of those things. And I think we're also, you and I are both at this stage in life where, you know, we're not getting there, but we're starting to get there where maybe we'll have more challenges in our life. We're not the spring chickens we used to be. And I never thought I'd actually say that. But. <laughs> well, I am struck by our little journey that we had in January where we ran a half marathon together down in Austin. I mean, that's the slowest half marathon I've ever run intentionally, right? I was not trying to kill it. I have inflammatory arthritis. I don't want to bust anything, right? But also you ran it without even knowing you were infected with COVID, which is just amazing. Like, it's just amazing. Amazing. And I felt like, though, that experience for me was really lovely because we got to spend some time together without a computer, without a mobile phone, just running and walking from time to time and talking about life and catching up. And then you got COVID. Then I got COVID right away, like shortly thereafter. And it really further cemented our relationship. So your point earlier about how it felt like we had to be on social media at one point, but now there may be a benefit to not being on it and crafting these one-on-one -on -one relationships. I absolutely see that point. I feel that point. And I feel more connected to you for what we've been through. I don't know. What's your reflection on all that? So I have running friends that I, I used to be in training groups from like 2009, and we are still friends. Maybe we don't see each other often, but we still message each other. And anytime there's like a big life event, we're like all over it with each other. And I think there's something about putting a challenge in front of you. Like literally you and I were running side by side and the challenge was always in front of us, right? So every hill or cobblestone street that we were like, oh my God, like really? All of that was always in front of us. So like instead of us talking about things that were elsewhere, we we're always talking about what was in front of us or addressing it, right? And of course, our conversation went all over the place, which is incredible. But the challenge was always one step at a time, right? And it was courageous because there was times when I had to say, hey, well, I need to slow down. And you said, let's say slow down. You know, that's just stuff you don't do very often. I don't want to say it like hot wires connection, but I think running or hiking or doing those kinds of activities together definitely like helps cement connection in ways that it's much harder to do online. Yeah, for sure. You know, one of the things that I thought was really beautiful to your point was the wide ranging nature of our conversation because we tackled it all. We fixed HR, we fixed work, we fixed our families, you know, we talked about our dreams, we talked about vacations, and it was just another dimension of a human being that, you know, you normally don't see. So that was really rewarding for me. And then coming back and automatically like you caught the COVID. You caught it right away. And then you had the rebound, if I'm not mistaken, right? So this was a significant moment in your life. And I just, I don't know, it's so funny how we had this high of completing a very tough and not always downhill marathon, like they promised, right? There were plenty of uphills to the downhills. And so we had this like really interesting accomplishment. And then we were both thrown into like the depths of sickness. That is a very private and individual thing to do. I don't know. It was a tale of two cities for me. How about you? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I felt 
felt like running that half marathon, I mean, I was just as untrained and unprepared as you were. So I, I, to me, it was just like, we finished that thing. And I was like, I mean, good for I was us. excited yeah. and, and happy that, yeah, like, hey, look, we just did 13.1 miles without much preparation. You know, like, that was awesome. And then like, just a couple of days later, you know, I'm sneezing and just not feeling great. And, and then, you know, of course, get the first positive test. And it's like, come crashing back down. And then when you got sick, it was kind of like, I remember just being like, well, crap. I don't know what or how that all happened, transpired, you know, but our conversation continued for another two or three weeks in a way that we probably didn't prefer, but we were just there checking on each other, you know, every couple of days. Hey, buddy, how you doing? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Still in your jammies? All right, you know? Yep. Oh, yep. my goodness. Like, oh, I got up today. I, had to, I, I did this, but the next day, oh, back feeling bad That's again. That's exactly right. Well, it was definitely some highs and lows. And I just think, you know, again, we were lucky to catch the COVID at the very tail end of what has been a terrible thing three years. But, you know, during those three years, organizations made promises to their workforce, right? You know, compassion, empathy, we're here for you, work from home, change management can be slow. We don't need you to, you know, ramp up your productivity. We don't need you to adopt any crazy new things because we're all in this new normal. Remember that phase and that phrase? And now I think the world is so differently. So Carlos, what happened? What happened to all these promises that companies made? And is HR to blame? I don't know if anyone's to blame. I think it's just sort of like if we're left to our default mechanisms, you know, like we just go back to the way things were, right? So, I mean, this happens in organizations everywhere, right? Um, so like, well, this is just the way we've always done it, right? I think we're in that pendulum swing right now. So we swung all the way one direction for COVID, for peak COVID, and then we started swinging more and more back to normal. And I think where there's probably going to be a swing back to the other direction of like, well, let's correct for the last three years, if you will, right? And then it'll probably settle somewhere in the middle eventually, right? Like a more hybrid workplace. But the cost of that for people, the swing is like mental health challenges, burnout, stress. You know, people designed a life in 2019 that they had to completely redesign and change, right? And so, but they did that. And now they're having to go through that process again, slowly but surely redesigning to the new normal, a new, 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 new normal. And then whatever it ends up settling on, that's going to reshape workforces all across the board. Some organizations are going to win and some are going to have challenges because they didn't adjust to whatever gets settled on. Is there anything that we can do in human resources to make this change, you know, that we don't control and we didn't mandate a little bit easier for our workers? What do you think about that? I really think the big thing is just to tell people, be upfront about what we don't know and what we do know. So it's just to kind of say things like, well, we think this is the plan right now. So in the early days of the pandemic, organizations were really good about saying, we're thinking in three months, we'll do this. And it may be in six months or we're going to hold off because right now we just don't know what's going to happen. But I think once we sort of gotten out of that acute phase of the, of the pandemic, that's fallen off. So it's kind of gone back to normal in the sense of like, we're only going to communicate when we need to. But I think there's still a lot of people left in that phase where they're wondering what's going to come next. And so even if it's just to say, we're not sure what hybrid looks like for us, or we're not sure whether everyone's going to come back to the office and when, or we're not sure what the next five years of our workforce planning is going to look like, but we're working on it and we'll keep you informed. And to me, that is just such a breath of fresh air when you get that kind of communication. Absolutely. Well, you're a breath of fresh air. You know, I just heard a quote the other day that cynics and pessimists are often right, but optimists are often wealthy. <laughs> so I love that in our friendship. And I just think if anybody's going to be wealthy from optimism, it's going to be you. So congratulations on that distinction. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, you're talking about me and optimism? <laughs> <laughs> well, at least with the world of work. I mean, I think you're a pragmatic optimist, but wait, am I wrong? 
No, I think, um, so, I mean, of course, we talked about being an introvert earlier, and so I joke around that, like, people will say things like, oh, you look so serious, and I'm like, this is my happy face, you know, or, <laughs> right. or I'll say things like, you know, this warms my cold, cold soul, you know, just as jokes, because, you know, I'm, I'm a quiet guy, I don't walk into the room and just, like, light it up, I have to work at it, I have to work at those things, so that's why I was kind of laughing about the optimism thing. For the purpose of this conversation, you're definitely an optimist. And also, I think in the work that you do, you have to see the good in people, the ability to change, the ability to get people to move forward and, you know, be inclusive and share goals. I mean, that's got to be hardwired into you. Otherwise, why would you even try? And you, my friend Carlos, you try. Like, that's one thing you do. You don't give up. You try with people, maybe even more than they deserve. I don't know. What do you think about that? So, like, my personal philosophy on work is, like, we have a responsibility to help people live and work to their full potential. And I say that I mean, almost every workshop I do, everywhere I go, and I think that's at my core why I do what I do, whether it be in talent development, HR, any of the roles I've had, even at back to the, the amusement park, you know, I wanted the people who walked through those doors and who were in my care, if I was their leader, to feel like they were able to do what they're capable of at work and then by default at home, you know? So I think that's what makes me try. That's what makes me keep coming back to the table. Even when, you know, sometimes it can feel like, especially during the high points of the pandemic, you're like, oh, like it's just too much. But you gotta, I feel like just keep on doing it. That's exactly why I love you. I respect you. I'm so glad to call you my friend. And I'm so glad you were a guest today on Punk Rock HR. If people want to follow you, I'm not going to like go woohoo, follow him on Facebook because that's insane. You know, that's very 2017. But where do you want people to connect with you? Where should they go? Um, I think right now the best place to connect is on LinkedIn. And that's just because I'm sort of reorganizing my website and things like that. So LinkedIn, um, I think my username there is CSGabar78. Also, my website, it's still up and running. It's just going through a little bit of a it's going through a phase right now just like we all yeah are. So right that's also, it's human um, absolutely yeah, yeah so <laughs> cscobar.com i just really i just write about work and life and whatever else pops up yeah not enough wally that's for sure we need more blog posts about wally absolutely well you know carlos it was great to see you thanks again for being a guest and we'll include all of your good stuff in the show notes and i'm just really appreciative for you getting me past those 13.1 miles so thanks again yeah thank you Lori. If you're interested in learning more about today's show, you can visit punkrockhr.com. There you'll find show notes, links, resources, and all the good stuff. Now that's all for today. Thanks for joining us, sharing this episode, and leaving thoughtful comments on Instagram and LinkedIn. We appreciate your support this and every week on Punk Rock HR. Punk Rock HR.